Hi guys, this is Andrew with headphones.com. Welcome to the Headphone Show, and today we're going to talk about the Moondrop Blessing 2. This is a five driver IEM, four BAs, and one dynamic driver to handle bass frequencies. And this one comes in right at around $320, depending on where you get it. So let's take a look. This unit was sent to me on loan for review by Android. I'll leave a link in the description below where you can see his review as well as some measurements of this IEM. Uh, unfortunately, my rig is not good for measuring IEMs, but I will talk about the frequency response as well, um, just based on how I hear it. But just like with my other reviews, we're gonna talk about build quality, design and comfort, detail retrieval, speed and dynamics, soundstage and imaging and timbre. We're gonna talk about frequency response and tonality, give a couple comparisons, and then ultimately decide whether or not it's worth it. Remember that my scores here are weighted and they also do take price into consideration, so you may have a different conclusion from the one that I end up with. This is just how I hear it and how I've experienced the Moondrop Blessing too. Since hearing this IEM at CanJam, I've been super excited to get a chance to listen to it in you know, my home environment and spend a little bit more time with it. And needless to say, I have not been disappointed. This definitely lives up to much of the hype um, that even you know when I first heard it, I was really excited for. Anyways, for build quality, design and comfort, these are on slightly on the large side. Uh, but you can actually see through it completely. These are completely transparent for the uh, for the shell apart from the, the faceplate here. But I gotta say, I really like the way that this looks. Uh, you know, apart from the transparent uh, sides and back, the part that actually, when you're wearing them, the part that is actually visible, it is this sort of sleek silver looking material here. And it, again, nails the, the design aesthetic that I always look for, which is, uh, understated but sleek at the same time. Uh, and yeah, so I got no complaints about how it looks. It feels fairly solid. There's nothing, you know, weird. There's no jagged edges or anything like that. But I do gotta say that, the, you know, it is a little bit on the large side. So if you're looking for a smaller IEM that is gonna, you know, maximize comfort, this may not be it. But I actually find that this is reasonably comfortable for me. In fact, I have absolutely no issues wearing this. You know, while not as comfortable as, you know, the, the Starfield that I reviewed recently, uh, this, I don't find this to be all that bad at all. What's cool about it being transparent though as well is that you can actually see the drivers in here. For the cable, this is also excellent. It's, again, not this, the most premium. Yes, I've used cables that are more premium feeling than this, but for $320, I have no complaints about the cable here, and I've certainly used cables that are a lot more stiff. Um, and then, you know, it does use the, uh, the little two-pin uh, style here, so it's not the MMCX connectors. They do give you a number of tips in the box. One of the interesting things about the tips though, the IEM actually uses a slightly larger size for the uh, for the nozzle, meaning that you know if you have the standard tips that are on like most IEMs, uh, they won't fit. You'll need something that's a little bit bigger like this. Let's see if I can get that on. But they just pop on very easily like that. It's not a challenge to get them on. Okay, so let's talk about how this sounds. For detail retrieval, we're not talking the crazy high-end stuff like you know some of those tubeless BAs like from 64 audio like the U12T or you know the Legend X or anything like that but for $320 I'm impressed with the detail retrieval here again because this is using balanced armature drivers for most of the frequency response uh, you get similar detail retrieval to other multi-balanced armature IEMs for the rest of that frequency response um, leaving aside the bass I do find that um, the best detail that I hear out of this comes from the mid-range um, and it may just have to do with the style of, or the type of balanced armature drivers that they're using in the mid-range. Now for the bass, that's where you lose a little bit of tonal definition, but 
what you gain is an extra sense of fun quality, and not because of the tonality necessarily, but it's a little bit more dynamic and engaging. It has a bit more impact there, and I really like that. Uh, and I don't think that's a trade-off that anybody's going to mind. So in my mind, the way that the bass is handled here, in spite of the fact that maybe it loses a little bit of you know tonal clarity there, uh, it makes up for it in, in fun character. And there's a decent amount of texture there as well. Uh, so it has that kind of grunt that you want when you know you hit when you hear a you know, bass drum or something like that, or an upright double bass. It comes across wonderfully um, for anything that tokens those lower uh, frequencies below, like you know, 150 hertz. And speaking of which, let's talk about speed and dynamics. Yeah, that's I I love the way that it handles the bass frequencies again because of that extra dynamic punch and slam that it has from the dynamic driver. So if you think about most balanced armature driver IEMs, even something like the Campfire Andromeda, which has a little bit of a bass emphasis there. I find that the Blessing 2 is actually more punchy and dynamic and interesting in the bass, even though it might not be quite as, again, tight and controlled as, like, you know, planar magnetic headphones, for example. And of course, for the rest of the frequency response there, yeah, you, it's a fairly quick and immediate response. Not the fastest that I've ever heard, and certainly not on the level of planar magnetic IEMs as well, uh, but it makes up for it, I think, again, with that sort of sense of a dynamic impact and punch for the bass with the dynamic driver, and I really like that. For soundstage and imaging, this is what I was most impressed by when I was at CanJam hearing this, and I'm, again, not disappointed. There's a really good sense of layering and depth and separation and being able to isolate individual instrument lines. I've talked about this in the past. It's not the widest or largest or most open sounding stage and presentation, but you know the the separation qualities and the placement is all fantastic on this IEM. You know, IEMs don't really have that much for soundstage anyways because there's really only so much you can do with something this size. But with that said, amongst the competition for soundstage, you know, when you look at all the other IEMs that are out there, this does really well. I've heard other IEMs that are around this price that's like, you know, it sounds like it's in your head. For timbre, the upper mid-range and treble timbre, I do start to hear some of the, you know, dreaded BA kind of artificial smearing going on. I think it may actually be for the Knowles BA drivers that are in here specifically. Uh, this isn't all Knowles BAs, but uh, for the ones that are there, I think that's possibly where some of the timbre issues come from. Um, but it's not super annoying like it is on other, you know, exclusive multi-BA IEMs. And again, with the dynamic driver handling bass frequencies, uh, you know, it, that has no problems with, with timbre. It's, it's only in that sort of upper mid-range and treble where I start to hear it. So if anybody's really sensitive to balanced armature timbre, uh, yeah, I mean, keep in mind that this is still a multi-balanced armature IEM for the rest of the frequency range. And it definitely does still have it. A little bit. All right, let's talk about frequency response and tonality. The Blessing 2's frequency response is not perfect, but it is damn near perfect. Now, with the rest of the Moondrop stuff, I've been expecting it to be similar to a Harman over-ear target, which does add a bass shelf. And I find that with the Blessing 2, there is a little bit of extra bass emphasis, but it's not as strong as what I would imagine from, you know, the Harman bass shelf there. And if this isn't making any sense to you, if you want to learn more about frequency response, uh, check out some of the links in the description where I go over some of that stuff as well. Basically, there's a little bit of bass emphasis for the Blessing 2, but not too much. In fact, it's right where I like it. I think it's right on the edge there. It's, it's a tasteful bass shelf, and it comes down at the right spot as well. Uh, I think the, there's a perception that it has a little bit more bass there, but that's partially, again, because of the way that the dy dynamic driver handles the bass. So it's, you get an extra sense of that physicality there and an extra sense of punch, even though the bass isn't really elevated all that much. And then importantly, yeah, it doesn't bleed into the mid-range, it doesn't drown out any of the rest of the frequencies. I've heard other IEMs that have bass elevations that 
you know, they go to the right spot, but then the problem is that they just keep the bass, you know, for far too long, and it doesn't drop down until like 300 hertz. This this sounds like it drops down closer to like 150 hertz. Um, so it, it's right in line with where I like it. Uh, and then this leaves a lot of clarity there for the mid-range, and again, the mid-range with this is just fantastic. Again, that's where I hear the best detail. And it's to the point where when I hear, when I listen to music where you know, say you have uh, female vocals or male vocals. Tracks where what I've heard on other IEMs sounds shrill, this doesn't. This has enough body there uh, in the mid-range to allow those vocals to come through uh, in a lot more of an engaging way. You get, it sounds very full uh, as a result. It's kind of hard to describe because you get this sense of, oh, this is like, there's a lot of presence there in the upper mid-range, and then you, you notice that, and then you think maybe it's too much, but then, because of you know the lack of a recession there in the mid-range proper, you still get all the rest of the, the 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 fundamental tone there, and I really like that quality. It makes it so that it's always interesting and engaging to listen to music with vocals as a result, and, it, and it's not overdone in the mid-range either. It's not like one of those you know West Tone IEMs that has a ton of mid-range. So if it wasn't clear, I'd love the way that the mid-range is handled here, and it's interesting because I actually think that that's one of the most challenging areas to get right, especially in the upper mid-range. Uh, because even though there are fewer gain factors for the ear, you're not dealing with you know the outer part of the ear, the pinna or even the concha. It's actually literally in your ear. You're only really dealing with one or two gain factors: the ear canal and the and the, and the drum resonances. So there's fewer things that are potentially amplifying the signal, but at the same time, that those things matter more. And so you know the shape of the ear canal and the amount of gain that you get is often the thing that will make or break an IEM for different people. Some people will really like it because they have a certain shape to their ear canal and other people will hate it because their ear canal shape is different. And all it takes is for that one gain factor to be, you know, variant and then you end up with a completely different preference as a result. With that long caveat out of the way for the way that my ear works, this mid-range and upper mid-range is basically perfect. Uh, on the blessing too. But I did say earlier on that it wasn't perfect, and to me, to my ear, that is right at around like 5.7 to 6k hertz-ish. And I know that's very specific, but the reason why I say that is occasionally on some recordings, I hear the sh sounds a little bit too strongly or a little bit too emphasized, and then occasionally I can hear certain snare drum hits in certain recordings sound a little bit compressed as a result. You know, I've often talked about imbalances in the treble or lower treble uh, leading to what I call percussion compression. And while it's not there on this, it, I mean, this is very, very good for percussion as well. I, occasionally on some recordings, there's just a tiny little hint of it. It's not that it's on the wrong side of this, it's just right on the edge of it. Uh, and so I would have liked that to be a little bit more relaxed. Um, it, it's almost as if it sounds like there's a little bit of a bump there. And it actually was interesting, I was talking to a number of the people who've heard this IEM to ask them if they noticed this issue and they said they didn't. So I'd be curious if anybody in the comments has heard this. The rest of the treble is also excellent. There's no sibilance. It's a little bit forward, maybe like between 8 and 9k, but... I don't have any problems with the rest of the trouble here. It sounds very uh, resolving, and then in the air quality, you know, the splash and sizzle stuff, yeah, it, it's not rolled off at all. It's It sounds fantastic. I think in, in between those two ranges, the, the consonant range and then the air quality range, I think there's maybe a little bit of a drop there somewhere, but uh, it's not enough where it really bothers me. So while, again, it isn't perfect, it's the closest to perfect for frequency response for my preference, for what I like, uh, that I've heard yet. 
and the fact that it's using this dynamic driver in the base to make it even that much more fun, yeah, I, got, I just love it. Now let's do a few comparisons. I'm actually gonna compare this to IEMs that cost a lot more because if it wasn't clearer by now, uh, this is a, an IEM that I think kind of is a benchmark at the $320 price mark that you know everybody else needs to pay attention to. So comparing this to the Campfire Andromeda, that's not the new Campfire Andromeda, which we will take a look at soon, uh, but the one that I've owned personally uh, in the past, the Blessing 2 has a more appropriate base response. I think if you were to run the Andromeda off of a really low output impedance source, yeah, you'd definitely have more base on the Andromeda than the Blessing 2. Uh, but if you ran it on a high output impedance source, you would have uh, less base than on the Blessing 2. So it really just depends on the source that you're using. By the way, if anybody's wondering, this is the Aslan Kern SR25. And we'll be doing a comparison between this one and the SR15 pretty soon. So stay tuned for that. But I do find on the Campfire Andromeda that the base is not quite as impactful and it doesn't feel as well defined, whereas on the Blessing 2 it does. I prefer the base response to the Blessing 2. Uh, for the mid-range, yeah, the, the Andromeda is a little bit more withdrawn there. Uh, so some people actually may like that if they're wanting a little bit more of that kind of fun sound. Uh, whereas with the Blessing 2, it's a little bit more, let's say, neutral. Uh, and then with, for the treble, yeah, the Andromeda doesn't have that slight, you know, emphasis to the sh sounds. I think for some people, the Andromeda is a little bit sharp in the treble. Uh, I don't mind it all that much. I, I think it's okay. Um, and so it's just different areas of the treble that I think are better on one or better on the other. The Andromeda also, I find, has more detail in the treble, uh, whereas I think the Blessing 2 actually competes in the mid-range. So really, I would say bass and mids I'd give to the Blessing 2, treble I'd probably give to the Andromeda, but it's more a matter of taste there as well. Uh, I just think that you know, for the technical performance, the Andromeda has better uh, detail in the treble. But looking at other IEMs like Again, the Campfire IO, which is around this price, or the Polaris V2. Yeah, I mean, I would take the Blessing 2 over those uh, for, for my preference. Um, those two, in my mind, they each have strengths and weaknesses. The Campfire IO has a really weird cut there in the mid-range, but the treble response on the IO is, is good. And then the Polaris V2 is this crazy V-shaped sounding thing, which is not to my preference at all. It's very bass and very treble focused. Um, where it just doesn't have the right tonal balance for, for my preferences. Again, I can see if somebody's into that kind of more fun sounding stuff or maybe the you know guilty pleasure kind of thing. Uh, but for me, this the Blessing 2 is, is clearly better. I think it's tougher to choose between the Blessing 2 and the Andromeda because I can certainly see people you know, gravitating more to the Andromeda's treble response. Um, and it's just an overall pleasant sound signature. Um, whereas the Blessing 2 is almost a little bit more neutral sounding throughout the mid-range. So I think it really just depends on what you're looking for. Remember that the Blessing 2 is $320. <laughs> so it's not even half the price of the Andromeda. And the fact that I'm comparing those two should tell you something. And then if I compare it to the Drop X Zeus 14, which is actually, it's Empire Ears collaboration with Drop. Yeah, the Blessing 2 I think is a much better IEM. Uh, it doesn't have the crazy artificial sounding timbre that the Zeus 14 does. Uh, remember the Zeus 14, yeah, it's got lots of detail there, but it's using the, you know, 14 balanced armatures, like 14, I think they're using Knowles BAs for that as well. And so, um, you know, the, I, I find that the timbre for the Zeus 14 throws it off enough where it actually starts to obscure some of the detail retrieval that it does have. Uh, and then the balance overall for the treble is far better on the Blessing 2, uh, to the point where, again, unless you're messing with different tips and changing the sound, um, you know, 
the Blessing 2 is way easier to listen to for longer periods of time, whereas the Zeus 14 starts to get quite fatiguing there. And of course, the Blessing 2 also has better bass response. It's, got, it's more impactful. Uh, it's got more thump there. Um, so in my mind, I, I would take the Blessing 2 over, over the Zeus 14. So in conclusion, do I recommend the Blessing 2? Is this worth it? Yeah, without a doubt. At $320, this is a no-brainer, I think. This is probably the best value IEM that I've ever heard. Not specifically for its technical ability or its detailed retrieval or anything like that, uh, but for its tonality, for the overall balance that it has. At $320, in my mind, they've kind of figured it out. And everybody else who's making IEMs that cost more, again, need to listen to this and say, okay, what are they doing right here? Let's see how we can you know, iterate on this and try and get something that sounds kind of like this maybe improve it even more. Uh, but at $320, yes. Uh, I have zero reservations about recommending this. For somebody like me who's evaluating like, you know, IEMs that cost thousands of dollars, and then something like this comes along, it's really easy for me for me to recommend this to somebody who, you know, $320 is actually a lot of money to spend on a pair of, you know, in-ear monitors. Because I actually think that it is a lot of money to spend. And the nice thing about the Blessing 2 is that when you do spend that kind of money, you're getting something that competes at far higher price tags. Anyways, that does it for this video. If you guys like what I'm doing here, consider subscribing, and I'll see you guys in the next video. Bye for now.